0: They ended up bringing the FBI in. Well, um,
1: like two months after? Anything is possible. Welcome to Money on Our Mind. This is the part where we tell you that nothing we talk about should be considered financial advice and all episodes are for entertainment purposes only. I'm Gareth.
0: And I'm Chrissy.
1: We are the co founders of Victrify, a technology based education company in Georgia.
0: We provide interactive and relatable financial education and content to schools and community organizations.
1: Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Money on Our Mind. And this week, uh, we're taking it in a little bit different direction and going to be talking about identity theft and credit score monitoring, and kind of similar to the previous episodes, um, we're going to be kind of talking about a real world example that actually occurred right in the backyard of Victory Phi in Savannah. (laughs) Um, And so Chrissy, what what, what are we going to be talking about today?
0: Well, Gareth, today we're going to be talking about a story that occurred within the St. Joseph's Candler Hospital system in Savannah. And there was a ransomware attack and there's some fallout. So we're going to talk about it. And then we're going to talk about what, you know, people all over Savannah are affected. But if this happens to you in some way, we're going to talk about what you need to do, because it's super important to monitor your credit, make sure nothing nefarious is going on. So are you ready?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Just strap in, Gareth. (laughs) Uh, But before you get to the story, uh, and just in case anybody doesn't know what ransomware is, do you just kind of want to fill in on the definition of what a ransomware attack is?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So a ransomware attack is where a nefarious actor...
1: Bad actor. <laughs>
0: is, a bad actor <laughs> sends... I Basically, a hacker gains access to a computer system. They can sit on it for however long. And then at some point, they I, clamp it all down, shut it all down better vernacular than I'm using, but they do not allow you to access your data without paying the money is really what happens. They're just holding something hostage, but it's in electronic form. Any yeah. any additional?
1: And typically the form of payment that they require is cryptocurrency, right? They're not going to ask for a bag of cash <laughs> or a credit card payment. It'll always be in cryptocurrency, whether that's Bitcoin, Ethereum, you name it. Doge. Just so it's- yeah. Just so it's a lot harder for any, um, anybody to track who and where the money went to. So, um, all right. So with that as background, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk My about what happened in Savannah
0: background. Of ransomware. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes. Okay. So, um, again, at this point, everyone knows that I'm into the gossip, so let's hit it. Okay. So St. Joseph's Candler is a hospital system in Georgia. I'm going to give you the background as well. This is a system, and Gareth, I know you know all this, but for everyone out there that doesn't, it's a system. It has two anchor hospitals. There's St. Joseph's and there's Candler, and so together it's St. Joseph's Candler. And in December of last year, so like right around Christmas, I think it was the 18th, hackers gained access to St. Joseph's Candler hospital system. And they maintained access. They just hung around in there until the middle of the night on June 17th, 2021. So very, very recently. And that's when they deployed their ransomware attack, which I so artfully explained earlier. (laughs) So
1: they were were snooping around for like six months. Exactly. Just
0: in there. And, you know, so they attacked the hospital and... You know, I guess we kind of explained this a little bit earlier, but ransomware, it encrypts the victim's files. So after the hackers kind of slip into the system, they can demand ransom before they'll restore the data. So just like Gareth said, they could ask for cryptocurrency, whatever, but they want something to release your data. Um, and this particular attack prevented access to the hospital's computer systems, which is insane because a hospital... Absolutely, especially like these days needs their computer systems. So St. Joseph's response was to immediately have staff use pen and paper for everything, everything.
1: Back to the good old days.
0: Back to the good old days. To, <laughs> <laughs> <Do, do, do. laughs> Um. So, you know, I actually right around the date this happened, I was there's a bakery that I really like. I newly re really like Gareth. You know, I had a falling out, but yes, yes. <laughs> I was in this bakery and, um, anyway, there were doctors and nurses from the hospital coming in and just they were exasperated. They were like, we can't do this. Everything is pen and paper. We cannot keep track of patients. They were still scheduling services. You know, there were surgeries, anything that they could possibly, they could realistically provide to patients, they still were. And it was just, Crazy. And then it was really impacting patients. Um, wh- and there was just no electronic way to track patient records Well, this was done, yeah, I mean, which is wild.
1: I can't imagine the complexity that that brings, just from the sense yes. of even the most menial task, like you don't know how to do it for that specific patient anymore. Cause it's not like you're remembering sort of what this prescription no. should be or, you know, what the dose for, you know, let's say anesthesia is for this patient, right? Like it makes everything so difficult, but you still have to run the hospital one way or another, right? Like you can't just stop providing people service like that. That could end up being worse. Um, So yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an absolutely terrifying situation to be in, especially for, I mean, how long did it end up being offline?
0: So it was Oh, let me see. Let me check my notes. It was a really (laughs) long time. Um, It was for, they were full paper for two months. Two months? Two months. Two months. So this whole time they were seeing patients, like you were saying, and, you know, they continued to investigate this breach, but it just, it it just became... It's absurd. I know. I know. I know. I know. It's... they ended up bringing the FBI in, and well, um, like
1: two months after, when they were like, "Okay, <laughs> like this we is can't figure it out by ourselves."
0: And then you know, switching to full paper did help, but then it totally stopped the hospital. They weren't putting any more information in the system, but they had
1: well, already uh, not even not even that. Think about like you can't even do billing. Like no. how, how are these people paying? Garrett, it, like, it's I, crazy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Like, and the the insurers aren't going to be happy. Like, okay, fax me the invoice for this patient. And then that, I I can't, two months is absurd. I thought it was gonna be like two days. No, 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 no. I guess they didn't, um, they didn't pay the ransom then clearly, right? It's unclear. I mean, after two months, I feel like you got to (laughs) pay.
0: I think, so I did a little research into hospital. Hospitals want to pay this back because this is life or death situations. You know, if they can't be online, they have patients, you know, especially patients, certain patients absolutely needed help and they couldn't get it. So hospitals are more likely because that is so critical. They're more likely to pay. And so hackers are more likely to attack them,
1: sadly. Strong moral actors. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: And so when they did this investigation, they learned that the files contained patient information. And so Listen to all the stuff they took. Names, addresses, birth dates, social security numbers, driver's license numbers, patient account numbers, billing account numbers, financial information, like, from everything. Um, Health insurance plan, member IDs, medical record numbers, dates of service, provider names, medical and clinical treatment.
1: They have everything. Everything. Yeah, everything.
0: Thing, it's insane. Um, I also in doing a deep dive, I saw that um, <laughs> on the dark on the dark web, <laughs> you can yes. sell medical records for sixty to seventy five dollars per person. And St. Joseph's Candler, they had they have patients' information that was stolen. They had one million four hundred thousand patients, individual patients, and someone could sell that for. 60 to $75 per person.
1: That's a lot of money.
0: That's insane. That's (laughs) insane. That's a lot of money. I mean...
1: (laughs) I'm still still stuck on the fact it was two months of pen and paper. Um, But I guess what (laughs) what we're supposed to talk about here is not the length of time that this attack (laughs) occurred for, but sort of how to, well, try to protect yourself against these things happening. Because at this point, um, you know, it's sort of inevitable that you're going to get caught up in one of these attacks, right? So it's not a matter of if, but when. And, you know, you may not know you're impacted by one, because um, it feels like, you know, there's a new one that comes out every day, right? And it's it's becoming more prevalent that it's happening on like, our actual infrastructure as well, right? So like you mentioned before, there is, been a like a large increase in attacks on like hospitals for the reasons that you said and also you know just back in what was it earlier this year with the uh the colonial pipeline ransomware attack right where they just shut down the oil pipeline that service like the northeast and you know that was resolved in not two months a little bit quicker than that (laughs) um but it was never disclosed as to actually if they paid or not um I would believe that they probably paid it because it was so. I think
0: they're all paying it. I mean, I don't know, yeah. but I what else know. are you going to do?
1: Um, well, I, I, you know, after all these things happen, though, it kind of comes out that the IT departments or whatever controls they have for their data security weren't even close to being the standard or kind of <laughs> up to up to scratch, and that's always seems to be the problem when it comes to this stuff. Or in most of these situations. Um, and so I think it's putting far more emphasis on, you actually do need to kind of meet the requirements. And that's sort of, right. I think, where you're starting to see like, you know, the the executive branch like come out and make, try and make policy decisions towards like cybersecurity and whatnot, because it's it's only going to get worse, right? Um, and so all that being said, um, <laughs> all that to say is, you just need to try and do your best to protect yourself for when this is going to happen. Right. Because it is. And, you know, you just need to know what to do. And so in a lot of these scenarios, right. Like um, the, the company that is attacked that your data may have been on that, you know, is compromising and whatnot, they typically, or sometimes I should say, they give you like a year's worth of protection of credit did. monitoring. So
0: Justice Candler did do that here.
1: Yeah. So that, that essentially gives you not something that's going to stop anyone from doing something with your data, but more you would find out if someone did. Right. And that's the whole point of this. It's like being aware of what people are trying to do with your information rather than being in the dark. And then when you apply, you let's say you, you apply for a mortgage. In five years and you see that people have taken out all these loans with your social security number what a nightmare haven't paid them back and your credit is ruined and and all that um all those terrible things so you know in this situation like you mentioned chrissy right they gave you one year's worth of credit monitoring i would argue it probably should be more than one year it seems (laughs) to be a little uh little little slim on what they're giving you but at least it's something it's something
0: yeah and so what else can people do? I know easy thing. Keep an eye on your bank statements. I've actually had um, several and Gareth, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've had several friends. This is this is through a bank. This is not through the hospital, but um, monitoring their bank statements and noticing odd checks that are being written in their name lately. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. about that. I have um, that, but that's it's kind of like a I don't know why it's. I honestly have had three friends in the past three weeks that this happened to, which is odd. But anyway, monitor your bank statements. That's so easy. You can log in at any time and just look. Did I charge, did I go to Target? Probably, if it's me. But like, <laughs> did I do this? Did I spend this amount? Look at that. Look at your checks. Um, keep your eye on everything. That's also, you know, we're talking, that's just an easy thing to see if there's anything's up, you know. Um, and then like Gareth said. Monitor your credit. See what's out there. You also can get a free copy of your credit report once every twelve months from each of the three credit reporting agencies. So you can go to Equifax, Experian, TransUnion. Um, You can always do that, regardless of whether or not you think you've been in a data breach.
1: Yeah, Um, and and honestly, it's just look at look at your stuff, right? Like look at your credit card and look at your bank account, and just make sure what's on there represents. You know what you actually bought, right? And all the banks make it pretty easy to be alerted, right? Like you can turn Absolutely. on alerts for like every single transaction, right? So as soon as something weird could happen, you'll find out, right? And that that's sort of the easiest way to make sure that you know what's going on. And then the second part being, okay, sure you're monitoring your bank account and your credit card, but what's actually happening to your credit, which is associated with your social security number, mm-hmm. and that's sort of what people can use to take out new loans or, you know, just borrow money that you you're completely unaware of that would not show up in your bank. Right. Absolutely. So for instance, if you know, you're monitoring your Wells Fargo account, but then this person goes up, goes, goes and opens an account with chase, you would never know. Right. And so that's the whole purpose of monitoring your credit credit score and your credit report, because that indicates all the types of money that has been borrowed underneath your social security number and that's the way to sort of like definitively make sure that everything is kind of right and should be what it is so those are sort of the two primary methods well that at least that we like we think of uh to make sure nothing funky is going on and you can even take it the next step further right and actually freeze your credit so what you can do um, is actually call those three companies that Chrissy mentioned. So, Experience, Equifax, and TransUnion, and initiate a freeze on your credit, which basically means that no, you can't, no one can use it, right? So, like if you apply for a loan and your credit is frozen, when the bank kind of enters in your security number to kind of check kind of who you are and kind of what your activity has been in the past there'll be like a complete block and it'd just be like, no, we can't, you can't like lend this person money. Essentially. That's the easiest way to think about it. And the only way for it to be unlocked is you calling them. Right. Um, I'm not going to say that you can't get round a credit freeze if you're a <laughs> hacker or whatever. Cause I'm, there's definitely ways that that could probably be done, but sort of best practice, you know, that's sort of what, what is recommended. Right.
0: It's much more, you know much more difficult and especially if you're worried about this that might be something you'd consider and you don't have a plan you're not trying to buy anything in the near future you know that's definitely a great solution it can get annoying if you're trying to to actually use your yeah. credit appropriately um but you can always freeze unfreeze it's a little bit of a pain but you can do it and it's better than having your identity stolen. You know, it, it's your money, your access to money. Keep it. <laughs> Don't let anyone Yeah,
1: It's just, it's just an additional me. layer of protection. Mm-hmm. Not that it will fully protect you, but it, yeah, it will be better than not doing it. If you're very, like if you're pretty. worried about this.
0: Exactly. Um, so any other pieces of advice you have? I mean, I feel like keep your eye on bank statements you have now, check your credit score, take advantage of everything. Any monitoring that they will give you. If it's free and this company that lost your data will give it to you, take it. And you should be able to kind of demand that if they're not offering, they should compensate you in some way for this extra risk they've put upon you.
1: Yeah. And I think the only other thing I'd say is what I think more people are taking into consideration now is who you're providing your data to, right? And so, you know, maybe you shouldn't be giving your social security number to some random website right. that you're, That's my password. Yeah, not necessarily <laughs> sure what they're going to do with it. Right. So obviously you're going to need to give it to your bank. Right. And aside from maybe your doctor, um, you know, if you're applying for a mortgage or you're renting an apartment, that's typically needed so they can run a background check on you, but don't necessarily go out and give it to everybody. Um, try to just limit. And a lot of just times limit. if you
0: ask, they won't make you, you know, if yeah. you're uncomfortable. It's not required.
1: Limiting the amount of people that have it is going to limit the chance of you getting caught up in one of these attacks. Um,
0: Protect that little social security number. Yeah, protect
1: those, (laughs) what is it? 10 digits? Yeah, I think it's 10 digits. No, it's not. It's nine digits. (laughs) Yeah, it's nine. Nine. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I, I think that's sort of becoming more so more prevalent in just society as general, right? Just you have to be aware of what you're providing and who you're providing it to, and just be aware of the risks that are associated with it. You know, like I had a friend recently who was applying to um, who's applying for like an apartment, like for what, for whatever, to live there, obviously not for whatever whatever reason. reason. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Obviously to live there and the landlord wanted their social security number on paper, which is weird because it wasn't like an electronic application. Oh. And he was just talking to me about it. And I was like, I would not do that. Like, No, just no, don't put it down. He probably won't even ask for it. Because I don't know what he's going to do with that piece of paper, right? He could just stuff, stuff it in a drawer and who knows what happens after that.
0: You shouldn't don't so, put things on paper. <laughs> yeah.
1: So just, just things like that, being cognizant of just like I said, who and... Mm -hmm. who you're providing your data to, um, and what data you're providing. Um, because, you know, when, when certain companies get attacked and your like first name and your email get leaked, like that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. I mean,
0: it's already out there. Like that's (laughs) gone. Just, just that's gone.
1: (laughs) But the other stuff, it's important to try and keep that safe. Um, so that's, that's all I've got.
0: I think that's excellent, Gareth. This is great advice. Hopefully, we're not victims of a data breach, but if we become, we know what to do now.
1: And you know that the hospitals will still run, which is good. I mean, I don't know if
0: I want to be getting a, I don't know if I want to go in for like surgery and they get my (laughs) little paper chart. I don't know. (laughs) Eh. (laughs) I mean,
1: it it might be a little bit too crazy, but I wouldn't be surprised if like hospitals start doing training to prepare for these situations, right? Yeah. Like I mean hey, honestly. No computers today. Can yep. go paper? paper.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Seriously. Oh, okay. Well, this has been lovely. And um, you know, listen to us next week. We'll have great episodes coming your way. If you want more, you can follow us on social media and you can follow us on Instagram at VictoryFi on Facebook at VictoryFi and on Twitter at VictoryFi1. Also, you can visit VictoryFi.com to learn more about VictoryFi's financial literacy courses for college students and for Girl Scouts across the country.
1: And since we're so poor at self-promotion, uh, we haven't <laughs> asked you to do this since the beginning. Uh, but if <laughs> just anyone, well, just so, we would love it if all of all of you listening out there um, could rate and review our podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it, to it on. Um, it would be a huge benefit to us.
0: Thank you so much. thanks for joining us today.
1: and we'll uh, we'll be back next week.